Welcome to another episode of the Head of Nations podcast. I'm your host, Brian. And as far as co-host, I'm flying solo this week, so Ben won't be here to be co-host. But I do have a special guest, and we'll get to an interview here in a little bit. But first, I just want to run through for a minute what's new in my nations this week. And so I had been talking with Ben about some of the things that we've been working on. And one of the things that I'd been working on last week was just waking up and praying for my family in the morning. Like, God help me to be a better husband. God help me to be a better parent. And that's something that I've continued this week, but I'm adding on my vocation. So like, God help me have wisdom at work. Help me to honor you in those things that I do for you at work. So I'm just kind of adding a layer to that prayer this week. So it's something I'm working on in my nations is spiritual again, but just praying for the things that I do that I will honor God and that that will give him glory. So that's what's new in my nations this week. Why don't we get to the passage of the week this week? And this is from Acts chapter 5. And I like this passage before we even get to it because I think there is so much wisdom in this. And this is where the, the Pharisees are arguing about what do we do about these people that are teaching about Jesus. And Gamaliel is going to give, I think, one of the wisest answers because, first of all, he's a revered Pharisee, but they had been fighting against this. And Gamaliel says, Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. So I think there's a lot of wisdom in this in that he recognizes, hey, this could be from God. And if it's just like any other human movement, any other human uprising where people have claimed to be essentially the Messiah, all those people came to nothing. If it was just a human thing, it always failed. But if it's from God and we're fighting this person or these people who are preaching the truth from God, we're going to fail because God's going to bring about his will. And if this is his will, it will succeed. So I just thought there was a lot of wisdom in that because typically when we see the Pharisees, they're always fighting against God. And they, I think a lot of times don't even recognize that they're doing it. And in this case, Gamaliel's like, wait a minute, they might be just doing human activity. They might be working in the flesh, but if they're working in the spirit, and this is from God, we will never win that battle. So just let's let them do their thing. If they're going to fail, they'll, they'll fail. And if it's from God, they'll succeed. And I thought that was really some refreshing wisdom we see from a Pharisee. So I just wanted to drop that there. All right, why don't we get into the topic of the week this week? And the topic of the week is an interview with none other than Kevin Rudiger. So I've known Kevin for a while, and I've been looking forward to this interview because, Kevin, we've been trying to have this interview for like eight months, maybe. I mean, it was, it's least. been a while. Heard, yes. Yeah, and I feel like we're both busy guys. Uh, I mean, you've got several boys, and they're always busy. I've got young kids, and they're busy. And we have finally done it. But so Kevin, aside from being a phenomenal drummer, is also an educator, and we're going to kind of focus in on that, but I just want to welcome you to the show, Kevin. Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, well, I'm glad to have you on. So one of the things that I want to talk about with you as far as having you on the show, because I, I am in education as well, 
And I think we're in a little bit different as far as fields, first of all, but we're also in different settings. You know, mine's more private Christian education and yours is not. So I just wanted to ask you, first of all, like what made you get into education first? And then we'll talk about educating in like a secular sphere. Sure. So uh, I always uh, tell people, be careful what you wish for. Um, I have been a non-traditional student for my entire life. And uh, so um, out of high school, waited three years, went back to, got my associate's degree, uh, then went to work, then decided to pursue my um, bachelor's degree. And as I was going through my my bachelor's degree, um, I was in my late 20s. My, I had been married, so my wife and I were you know, going through that portion of my life. Um, but what I found, what I really enjoyed uh, when I was in engineering school was the time that I spent uh, in my study groups. And I had a, an amazingly mature group of people that were 18, 19, 20 years old, which I was not able to do what they were doing. But we would go and we would have these great we would have these great study sessions and all that kind of stuff. So I went home one day, and uh, you know I said to my wife, like, man, if if I could go back and do it over again, and I was twenty something like them, I would pursue my master's degree and get into teaching. And I explicitly said, I wouldn't want to be teaching at the university level where you have to, you know, publish or perish. I said it would just be great to be on like. Uh, you know, a level where I could go and I could teach. And I just love these interactions that we're having, like in group settings. And then literally two years later, I get a letter in the mail from the, uh, the college that I'm working for now. Uh, the person who was in my current position was uh, um, forced, like, had to retire because of outstanding circumstances. And so I ended up getting this job that... I'm now teaching at a collegiate level uh, with, you know, in, in a situation where I don't have to do the publisher parish. It's not, you know, it's just my, my primary focus is in the classroom, training students in the laboratory, those, those types of things. And so I really got into this just, you know, I want to say luck, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, <laughs> and the deep down, that's not the truth, but... But, uh, you know, just all of these circumstances that, uh, that God coordinated and allowed me to be here um, were just fabulous. And so I've been, it's been 20 years now, um, or I'm in my 20th year, and it's been fantastic. It's been a real blessing. That's really cool because that's something I had thought through once I was getting my master's to teach at the high school level. I was thinking through, like, do I really want to go further? Because part of me wanted to get a Ph.D. and teach at the collegiate level, but there was that whole publish or perish thing, which I really didn't like. But then also, I feel like there's a lot more pressure at the upper collegiate level. So that was something where I was like, I, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. So that, that's, we had similar experiences with that. So what are some challenges that you face as an educator in the classroom, just generally speaking? I am blessed in the fact that the primary majors that I teach are basically they weed themselves out. So I don't get people who kind of, you know, unknowingly sign up for any of the classes or the majors that I teach. So I, I don't 
have a lot of the issues that I think even you would have, mm-hmm. you know, at a, at a private school level where everybody is required to go. Mm-hmm. People that in a collegiate level, first of all, most of them are there because they want to, with a few exceptions of their parents making them go there. But if your parents going to make you come and, you know, come to our college and be on our campus, you're not going to sign up for either one of my majors and be like, yeah, this sounds like a good time. So I get students who are dedicated. So it's very rare, and I can think of one or two exceptions of that, where I don't get students that aren't there, ready to go, ready to be committed, work hard, they know what it takes to be successful by the time they get into our our room. Interestingly enough, what I found is the frustration that I deal with or what my students deal with is actually when we're doing some lab experiments. So my philosophy is basically, I don't need my equipment to be top of the line. You know, this is the most modern stuff. In fact, I kind of like the opposite approach. Like this is the absolute baseline, right? I'm teaching you some principles here. And so whenever you go out into the work world, you're going to find something you're going to be like, well, this is so much nicer than, you know, we had. And but my students, by their nature, want everything to work out perfectly. And so the frustration that I see with my students is this equipment is junk and I'm not getting the results that I want. This just happened this past week. I had a student who was like packed up and was ready to leave the lab. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa calm down here. It's okay. Uh, so I sat with this person and spent a bunch of time going through the lab again, getting them okay with the fact that the measurements weren't perfect. So it's just, you know, it's one of these things like, uh, you know, like my students are never a problem. In fact, their desire to be perfect is more the problem than anything else. Wow. That's a really good problem to have. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I do see that perfectionism sometimes. And I mean, I tend to be that way myself. So I recognize that problem. But I think that I have some other uh, friends that teach at the collegiate level, but they teach more like core courses and that's not their experience a lot of times so yeah that's an awesome perspective on that so i've known you for a while and i know that you're a solid believer so can you just tell me a little bit about your walk with the lord and then this is a two-parter and then can you tell me maybe in some ways where having that relationship with the lord influences your teaching approach or really helps you in the classroom oh that's uh, the second part is uh, easy so um as far as my walk with the Lord, it's a, it's a interesting, I think, and I'll try not to ramble on this, but essentially, uh, uh, as a teenager, I grew up like every other teenager, you know, did all of the things that guys do when they're teenagers, and uh, uh, maybe to a, a degree that is beyond a little of, of some, my, uh, my parents, um, <laughs> to what ultimately turned out to a blessing, actually threw me out of the house. And so I lived several years on my own, and uh, and I think I matured quite a bit during that. Um, however, I wanted to go back and and get my first degree, and uh, my my mom said, "Sure, you can come back, but you have to go to church." So okay, so I agreed to that. Uh, the church that we went to was putting on a series. Um, it was Ken Ham video uh, creation, and uh, man, I just totally ate that up. It was just so right up my alley at just the right time. And that was really the start of it. This whole, wow, if, if 
you know, if the world is the way that it is, it's got to be created. And if it's created, it's got to be a creator. And if it's a creator, you know, I've got to follow this guy. Like I, you know, like I'm just bound to do that. And so that was really the start of my spiritual walk. And it's been all over the place, uh, you know, since, since that time. So that's kind of, that's kind of the really brief history of, of my spiritual growth. Tying this into my major um, is actually really, really easy. So uh, I, I have two majors that, that we have at our, at our college. So one is engineering. Um, so it's an associate's degree. And, you know, basically we get students who are coming and getting their first two years. Then they're transferring on to a, some sort of four-year university. So, you know, that's, that's not a – I mean, there's lots of opportunities for me there. But my other major is a specialty major. It's called metrology which is the science of measurement. And uh, so, we, you know, we get people that think we're the weather people or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, but for that one, I, it's a lot of fun. I have, the students have me seven times during the two years. So we get to know each other very, very well. And uh, one of the things that I'm always trying to, to tie them back to with measurement is this idea of all measurement has to have a standard. Hmm. So, I mean, you're bright enough to say, well, wow, once you start that, Everything you do has to be tied to some sort of standard. Every moral decision you make is based on some standard that is there, that you're saying, this is, this is the foundation of what I believe, and from that I'm going to make this decision or this decision or this decision. And so what I challenge my students with all of the time when they're making measurements is, what's the standard? So if you're going to say that this is a foot based on what, why is it a foot, who defines that? Where does this come from, right? You have to have some sort of foundation, whatever that is. And um, we get into moral discussions because of that, and it's the same thing. So my, my students are comfortable with me in the classroom. Um, we have lots of discussions before, after, and even during class where we're off on all kinds of tangents. And you know, depending upon what that, what that particular topic is, it's good for me to say, well, why do you see it that way? What's wrong with the way that somebody did this? Why, why not do this? And it's just really easy to make that relationship for them of you've got measurement standards, you're building everything off of that. You've got moral standards, you've got to build that off of some sort of structure. And is that really something that's, that's there? So it's, it's, a, it's a natural hmm. kind of outflow from the type of discussions that we're having in the class. Wow, that's really awesome because I think that a lot of times the society today is a make-your-own-standard society. But when you're dealing with measurements, like if you're trying to build a building and my foot is different than your foot, that's not going to work for architecture. Something's going to collapse, right? So there has to be something concrete where they have to look at and say, there has to be a universal standard. So, I, wow, what a segue into moral issues. And the standard, I mean, there has to be a standard maker. And that standard maker is God. Yes. Wow, that's awesome. Just a side note, I actually also, I went to uh, a Ken Ham seminar when I was younger. There was a doctor that lived nearby where we were, and he paid for Ken Ham to come. And everyone's admission was free that wanted to come. So he, out of his own pocket, paid for, and it was a couple of nights. 
So he flew Ken Ham in. He paid the fees for Ken Ham. He paid the parking for everyone to come park at this facility. And for two days, Ken Ham gave his Answers in Genesis pitch. And I came to one of those, and I just I was enthralled with it too. And in fact, you know, when I was in my college years, I struggled with this concept of uh, like, okay, so there are all these different religions, and there's all these, there are all these different beliefs, and you know, like there are the atheists, the agnostics. Like, how do I know what I believe is true? <laughs> and I kept coming back to creation. Like, the universe had to start somewhere. It, like, there has to be an uncaused cause or an unmoved mover. And so, like, part of that kind of stayed with me through my struggle to, to come to, like, God has to exist because the universe exists. It has a beginning. Mm-hmm. There has to be a being with no beginning, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, that was a cool experience I had as well. And I had a physics teacher, ironically, who uh, was not a creationist and was very much like an evolutionist, which I went to a private Christian school, and I was like, how are you teaching here? But anyway, so he, he would debrief us after this, and I was like, but wait, wait, okay, like, and he would, he would try to take us off on the evolution tangent. And I was like, but now I'm armed. Now I know. I've got some facts here. So, yeah, I, I had a similar experience with the Ken Ham thing yeah. that really just clicked with me. Yeah. yeah so um, just on your faith walk, before we kind of get back to education, sure. is there like a, a Bible passage or a verse or something that has had a major impact on your life that you kind of carry with you? So I know for some people they have one. For some people they're like, ah, you know, like I love all the Bible or like I like the book of Psalms or Proverbs. But is there like one specific passage that you can think to? I can think of a few, mm. right? So, and, and they, you know, they wax and wane depending upon, you know, what interest I'm in. Mm. So uh, I would say the one that I think I always carry with me would be Matthew 7, 21 through 25, end of... Uh, Sermon on the Mount, where Christ is basically given a warning that there are going to be people at the end of time that say, I did this in your name, and I did that in your name. And his response is pretty simple. I never knew you. Mm-hmm. And boy, yeah. just the thought of that, just it just terrifies me. And I, I know it sounds, you know, it, it doesn't sound right to live the Christian life afraid, but at the same time, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I always go back to that particular verse thinking, just, am I doing all of this? Am I running around? And mm-hmm. am I being busy? And is it going to really make it any difference in the end? Because if I don't know Christ, and if I'm not grounded in Christ doing, serving him, it's going to be quite an eye-opening uh, experience for me. So that one drives me, if you will, to just examine myself all of the time. The other one that I really like, in fact, uh, pastor just read it today, and that's uh, Romans chapter 1, um, 18 through 20, um, You know, which is basically, and again, I'm stealing from pastor, it's just amazing to watch society devolve whenever they don't put God in his place, mm. and they exchange that truth for a lie. And how the the wheels just come off, and they and it just falls apart quickly, and you know, in in the short lives that you and I have had over the you know just over the last 20, 30 years, just think about how the wheels are coming off as we reject God, and uh, so th- those are two of the biggest passages that I really love to 
point, you know, point to kind of drive me. Yeah, that's interesting. So I feel like we're somewhat similar in demeanor. Like, you know, we're both analytical people and I feel like we hold a lot of the same values and views. And so, you know, that Matthew 7 one and Romans 1, like those are both like linchpins of my faith. I, I did an episode, I don't know, it was probably like 10 weeks ago on remember death. Like, you know, where Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, like the heart of the wise is in the place of mourning because you recognize death is coming. And so like, I think about that passage, like what am I building on? Because you can do all the quote unquote good works in the world, but if you're not doing them in the name of Christ, he doesn't know you and it doesn't matter. So that's, that is a big eye opener. And I think that is correct that we should have that healthy fear of the Lord and the Lord's judgment. But if we're in Christ, we don't have to fear that judgment. We should still think, am I building on that foundation? So that's, that's awesome. All right, so now I have a little bit more of a lighthearted question. Do you have any funny teaching stories? So let me, I have one that sticks out to me, so I'll let you think on this for a minute. This was earlier in my career, and it was like the case of the worst timing ever. So I had these two students in one of my classes that they like to kind of play little jokes on each other. Like they're guys, like they might, one might grab the other's backpack and move it behind his chair or things like that. And so they would do these things. Well, one day, unbeknownst to me, one of these two guys apparently had had enough. And so I did not know this at the time. He had put a roll of duct tape in his backpack. All right. And he was waiting for the other student to reach for the backpack. So when the student reached for the backpack, this guy grabs that roll of duct tape out and in one fell swoop, peels a piece of tape off and tapes the kid to his chair. Now, in this exact moment, the exact moment this kid grabs the duct tape and is pulling it out of his backpack, the head of school started a pop-in observation. He walks, it's like a sitcom, but it, I promise you this really happened. He opened the door and walked in right as this other kid is peeling a piece of tape off and wrapping it around this kid's chair. And like, I, the whole situation registers in my head and I'm like, this cannot be good, right? So, you know, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, take that tape off, give me the tape. Like, you can't be taping kids. That you, like, things I th thought I'd never have to say as a, as a teacher. The head of school at that time looked at me, looked at the kids, turned around and walked out the door and I never heard another word about it. I expected like the class to end and like, boom, get called in. But like, he was an understanding guy. He had, he had been an educator. So he had taught for many years before he moved to this area to become the head of this school. And he's no longer at the school now. But like, it was one of those situations where I was like, I am in such big trouble. And like, I didn't even see it coming. Like it just, it all happened in the same moment. But I was like, whoo, dodged a bullet on that one. Because I was like, I I did not get reamed out for that, which I expected to. And the kids, I never had problems with them again after that because they both looked at it and they're like, I'm getting called to the office. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you have any, any interesting or funny stories or are your kids mostly well-behaved? Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I, I usually get well, I, yes, I definitely get well-behaved students. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite stories, though, I, I don't know that it's funny, um, must be, oh, it's probably 15 years ago or so now, um, uh, randomly, uh, I get a Facebook post from a girl who I graduated high school with, just like totally out, mm -hmm. and starts asking me, tell me about metrology. Okay, tell her what it is. Oh, I'm going to sign up for it. So here I am, first day, with a student who we knew each other in high school. I mean, we were, you know, 
we could we were say we're peers, but really academically she was top ten in our class. And I'm Mr. like fifty percenter, right? So total screw off in high school. And here I am, like teaching her. Mm. So we used to joke, I used to say, I knew back in high school that I would be grading your papers someday, <laughs> right? So it turned out like it's been a great experience. Mm. She's uh, she's graduated and gone on to to much bigger things, but we communicate regularly. But it was just this kind of a, like odd, you know. I can't believe that I'm actually instructing somebody that I went to school with. So yeah. now, now what I'm starting to see are uh, students coming through who know my children. I currently have in one of my classes um, a young man who I was his hockey coach mm. several years back whenever I could you know, kind of get away with that kind of stuff. So those types of things are, are fun stories. I don't know that they're humorous, but it, it's just interesting to see. You know, those types of people come and go. That's really cool. Yeah, I I have not had that experience yet of teaching someone that I also was in school with, but I'm seeing now like siblings or things like that that I like are many years separated, and I'm waiting for the day, and I know I'm going to feel old when this happens, where I get one of the kids of one of my students, and I'm like, let's hold that day off for a while. <laughs> So here's a, a question I had for you as a man, you're head of your household, you're a busy career guy, you've got several kids. How do you balance work and home life? Because I think we're similar. Like I can tend to being a workaholic. Like that's, that's me. Like I, like I, I think we're both perfectionists to some extent maybe. And like, so I want to do anything I do excellently. And sometimes I know some of our listeners struggle with like work life, home life balance. And that's something I have to keep in check all the time. So, you know, you've walked the road a little longer than me, but like, how do you deal with that? Well, the, the, the biggest blessing about one of the biggest blessings about my uh, vocation is that the schedule is just amazing. So the balance for me is really not that difficult to keep because if I need to put something down and set it aside so that I can make sure that I attend a track meet or uh, you know, some sort of orchestra concert, I can just put it down and I can just pick it back up whenever I need to. Um, I, I think one of the, the things that, uh, that my particular field is probably better than yours, uh, I'm on my own time schedule. So when I get my papers graded and get them back, you know, I get them, get them back. And if I have to delay a day, nobody comes down and says, why didn't you have those papers back? Or where are you at this point in the semester? Or as long as I'm getting my work done, I'm pretty much on my own. And so it, it allows me to be pretty flexible as, as far as making sure that I get my family and stuff done. Um, my, I have to give kudos to my uh, to my dean, he's and I work together every semester with my schedule, and he works around it, and makes sure that I can get to all of the places that I need to. And like I said, he never comes down and says, "Where are you? What are you doing?" Because I think at this point, I pretty have you know pretty well established that I'm going to get it done, that my students are going to learn, they're going to be successful. So it's relatively easy for me to do that. That's great. It's a real blessing. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I find, yeah, I do have a little bit of a different setup, but I tend to try to lean into it a little bit and get things started earlier. Like 
when I get tests back, I try to get them started graded right away. That way, if I do run into something, then I'm a little ahead of the curve. So if I get behind, I'm actually on point. That's something that I try to do, but I'm not always great at hitting that home life, work life balance. What I, what I find when it comes to those types of things is if you just do a little bit, right? So if you get work that stacks up, you've got 15 lab reports that you've got to grade. And if I just start them, and I have a pattern that I go through, like, okay, I'm going to do this first, and I'm going to do this. Like, okay, just, let's just do step one now and see where that goes. Next thing you know, I'm into step three, and I'm a lot further than I thought I would ever do. But I find that as long as I'm, as long as I keep myself going, I'll be in good shape, and I rarely fall behind that way. That's a, I think that's a solid viewpoint. Just like do something, do something. Right. Yeah, that's great. All right, so here's a, a question that you know I'm I'm raising a son. You've raised three sons. You're raising three sons. And I think in today's world, like you had spoken about this earlier in the show, and like society since I was a teenager is unrecognizable. Unrecognizable, morally and ethically unrecognizable. Things that the average non-believer would have said that is unacceptable. Now I feel like we have... I wouldn't necessarily call them believer, but we have average churches in America praising mm -hmm. things that 20 years ago, the average unbeliever would have said that's debauchery, right? Yes. So how do you go about raising sons in a modern age like this? Because I, I, I know your sons. I know you. Your sons are good boys. They're good kids. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like uh, as I've watched them each grow and mature, like I'm like, you did a good job. So... What are some ways that you've navigated that successfully? Well, we start by showing commitment. So we are here pretty much every Sunday, right? So that you, you start by saying that this is important and you need to understand this. So my wife and I try to model that. It's important for us to be committed to going to a local church. I think you've also, if you look around, um, we are involved. My wife and I have been involved with the church since we've been here. As our children grow up, they are involved. So even now, my youngest is involved with helping the youth ministries. You know, my, my, uh, they're involved in serving when they're there. So it's got to start, you got to start with that foundation. Like, I'm committed, you're going to be committed. No questions asked. Then what you do, I think, is you model that at home. You got to be the same person. You, you know, you can't be one person one, you know, on Sunday and then be somebody else. Be committed. I uh, we have been through, when, particularly when they were younger. You know, we've been through. Uh, we you know do devotions and we read books and I make them read books. I actually, pay them to read books. Like if you read this, I'll give you 10 bucks kind of stuff, you know, just to encourage them. I'll read. Uh, I, I, I want them to see me when I read my scriptures every day. Right? I get up in the morning and when I'm doing breakfast, I have a, a reading plan that I go through. They see me reading every day. We pray with them at the evening. We pray sometimes when we're going somewhere. We are, we're living on vacation. Let's pray. We get there. Thank God that we made it there. Those, those types of things. We say grace all of the time. At a restaurant, it doesn't make any difference. These are just things like consistency is the number one thing as far as I'm concerned. And if I'm going to preach it, I better live it. So I'm sure my boys are going to listen to this and laugh. <laughs> ha ha. Right. Get that. But 
you know, that that's where we start. Then um, I like my classroom. I like my home to feel like they can ask me things. They're not, you know, like there's no dumb questions. And, you know, we, I think I feel like we have this relationship. My boys will come home and go, guess what we learned today in this class? Guess what we did in this one? This is what I thought. Just a couple of weeks ago, one of my, uh, my, my youngest son, he goes, dad, guess what? I was listening. I was, we were in study hall and this guy behind me was witnessing to these people. He's like, I think that's really cool. You know, cause he just transitioned from a, a Christian private school to a, a, you know, a secular high school. So he's just like, Dad, it's out there. So there's other people mm. like us, you know. So it's just interesting that he couldn't wait to come home and tell me those those types of things. So um, yeah, we you know we try to be consistent, um, take advantage when you're when you're when my children ask me things. Oh, let's go to the standard. Why is it that these things? So same idea, right? So okay, what do you think? Chris, you know, the scripture has to say about that. What do you think about this? And we have discussions and, and I, I try to not make them lectures try to make them discussions <laughs> yeah. uh you know th- those types of things so i feel like the relationship that i have with with my sons is just a, such a blessing and uh I, I think that um they they could see me through they I think they could see through me if i wasn't real and they get a sense of you know a need for god that's amazing and i, I think that's something that I, I also try to do because it always bothered me when I was younger when people would say the whole do as I say, not as I do. Like, this should be important for you, but it's not important for me. Well, if it's not important for you, then why is it important for me, right? And like, I think that's very key that living that consistency because people do recognize posers right away and no one likes a poser. So I think that's awesome that you're modeling that on the home front. And that's, that's something I try to do in my home as well. And it's something we try to, you know, to share with the audience. What we recognize, like, I recognize I'm not perfect. And like, when I tell my kids things, sometimes I'll recognize like, hey, I'm working on this and you know, I'm working on this and you know, I'm endeavoring to do better through the power of God, but you're also called to do better as well. So let's do better together. I, I'll make this attempt. And again, my children are going to be, finding this humorous when i'm wrong i will go in with my children and say i was wrong mm-hmm. and when they were young and they did something wrong before i would discipline them i would go in and talk to them and say do you know what you did wrong explain to me like i want you to explain i don't do i just don't want you to say randomly i'm sorry i want you to explain exactly what you did wrong why it's wrong those types of things and i try to hold myself to that standard if i make a mistake which i do and i just recently did this and uh you know i got i was out of line and so i will go to them and say i was out of line this is why i was out of line will you please forgive me uh, of that Right, so need to be consistent with them, and I and I think that that helps our relationship. Like, okay, Dad is admitting that he's wrong again. I'm sure <laughs> my kids are like, oh, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, like, when does that? Yeah, happen? yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now that's something that that I try to do as well, and I'm sure I'm very bad at. But that, I've had to do that a couple times in this. What are we in? We're in February. I've had to do that a couple times this year already. Like, yeah. hey, you know what? I, I shouldn't have spoken that sharply to you, you know, like where I have to own it mm-hmm. because I can't expect them. No. Yeah. I can't expect like, don't talk to your sister like that. I actually, 
I remember a very specific example where we were on our way to get a Christmas tree and my daughter said something to my son and I looked at my wife and I was like, that's me. Yeah. Like I, I recognized, oh. I was like, that's exactly me. And I was like, that's not a good thing. It's going to get worse. Yeah. They get. I, I promise you that. Uh, Although what's been a lot of fun is that I'm turning it around on my, on my sons because I'll hear them and they'll say things and I'll be thinking that's me. And so I've started this saying recently, I, you can make fun of me all of you want. You can think that I'm goofy and, you know, you don't understand why I have these rules. But at the end, I win. And that's what I tell <laughs> them that. Like, you're going to grow up and you're going to be just like me. And you're going to say things just like me. And you're going to say the same stupid jokes that I say, the ones that you, like, in the end, mm. I win is what I, is what I tell them. And you're going to see that. I might steal that from you. Yes. I like that. <laughs> so what to kind of start closing the show out here a little bit. This is something I, I like to ask people, and this is something I'll throw out your way. And no pressure on this one, but what is something that God is teaching you right now? As my children get older and they, uh, so I've got one that's a junior in college, is going to be leaving. Mm. And so um, somebody can say, even you, you mentioned like, okay, your kids are good. Well, the thought that pops into my head is, we have no idea, right? So what God is teaching me at this point is to trust that he can take care of my children because I want to, you know, I want them to have this faith. I want them to be able to live in a world. I don't want them to make the same stupid mistakes that I did. I, you know, like I want them to marry somebody like my wife, who's been such a blessing in my life and has been on the same page with me the whole way through. Like, I want all of these things for my children, but I know that I can't force it on them. Hmm. And so what I'm learning is to put faith in God that when I train them this way and I get them to think about what the standards are and I get them to think about what God thinks about all of these situations, that they're going to take that with them when they leave. And that's one of the things, when, when we pray with our children who are at home every night, well, that's one of the things that I bring up regularly. When Eli leaves, I want him to take his love of Christ with him. When he's gone, he can choose what he wants to do. And I want, him, I want that to go with him. And so my prayer and what I'm learning at this point is, and I don't have the control anymore that I that you currently have. And how do I deal with that? And how do I trust God through that situation? I'll have to talk to you at some point about that because I look at that down the road and that there are not a lot of things in life that scare me. <laughs> That's one of them, right? Where it's like, that is a scary prospect of, I am sending my child off into the world have I prepared them? And trusting if I'm doing what God has called me to do, that God will honor that. But that, that man, that is, that is something that I think about. So I'll have to, as you walk that road ahead of me, I'll have to come back to you on that one and be like, all right, Kevin, come on, man, talk me through this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, I really appreciated having you on the show, and I really thank you for your insight. And maybe in another nine months or 10 months, we'll have to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, thank you to the listeners. We always appreciate hearing from you. So if you would like to reach out to us, you can email us at info at headofnations.com. And if you like the show and would like to leave a written review, we would really appreciate that as well. And thank you to our supporters of the show. 
Your support really helps us out a lot. And if you would like to support the show, you can go to headofnations.com and click that support tab. And as always, remember, we are the head of our nations. So let's go live like it. Until next time.